everyone. Thanks for checking out this podcast. I hope today's conversation inspires you and builds your faith for the moment you are in right now. Know that God's love for you truly changes everything. Enjoy the message. Our series is Why Am I So Afraid? Hasn't Pastor Joel done a fantastic job with this series? See, what he won't admit, but what all of us know is that we have a premier Bible teacher and pastor, one that's second to none any in North America, I believe. But unfortunately, today you're stuck with me. My name's Kevin Campbell, and I will be speaking about the fear of the future. So I ask you, what are you afraid of? See, I don't consider myself a fearful person. In fact, I'm a bit of a risk taker. But there's one thing that terrifies me, and that's the fear of heights. If I get like seven or eight feet above my head, I am paralyzed. I'm looking for something to cling on to and hang on to until somebody comes and peels me off. I want to tell you a humorous story how I had to face my fear of heights head on. See, my daughter, I have three daughters. My oldest daughter, Sarah, was graduating back in 2005. And some of her friends and her had saved up their money and wanted to take a a graduation trip. Dad was elected as the chaperone, and off we went to Florida. When we arrived there, I heard the kids uh, over talking. I, I was listening in on their conversation. They were actually talking about fear, fear of the future. They were talking about being afraid of going from adolescence to adulthood, from going from high school to university, from going maybe from home to the workforce. And I decided to share an analogy with them, one that I taught my girls when they were just young, and it was this. Our fears are like a mouse in a monster's costume. Let me explain. While my girls were watching a cartoon when they were younger, I think it was Tom and Jerry. Any of you see this cartoon? Actually, Jerry is the mouse, the underdog, and he decided to one-up Tom in this episode, and he got into a a monster's costume and zipped it up. It was actually a costume of a huge, gigantic, scary mouse, and when Tom saw it, he trembled with fear, only to realize it was just Jerry, a little mouse. Aren't our fears like a mouse in a monster's costume? This has resonated with my girls, and until this day, we use this analogy when we talk about fear. It also resonated with the young adults. There were seven of us. And the next day, we went to Old Town. It's in Kissimmee outside of Florida. I love Old Town. There's a couple of classic car shows there on the weekend. That was my excuse for going. But it's also got some crazy rides at Old Town. One of the rides at Old Town is called the Sky Coaster. Now, the Sky Coaster is the craziest thing I've ever seen. It's actually, we've got a picture of it here. It's 300 feet tall. Now, what they do at the Sky Coaster is they strap you into this harness, and you, and up to two more people, can lay like an airplane horizontal. They hook a cable to you, and they hoist you up 300 feet in the air, where you get to pull a ripcord and fall to certain death. (laughs) I don't know how people pay money to go on this sky coaster. But I said something that I regretted. Have Have you ever said words and as they're coming out of your mouth, you wish you could take them back? This is what happened to me. See, I said this to the young adults. 
I could never go on the sky coaster. I am terrified of heights, knowing these words might haunt me. Sure enough, one of the guys said, Mr. Campbell, isn't the sky coaster just a mouse in a monster's costume? You need to get on the sky coaster and face your fears. So when all else fails, stall, and I looked at my watch and said, it's time to go. Maybe we'll come back and go on the sky coaster another day, thinking they would forget about this. Oh no. The next day, all they wanted to talk about was me going on that sky coaster. So I hatched a plan. Here was my plan. I said, I'll tell you what we're going to do. The last day of our trip, we'll stop at Old Town on our way home and I'll get on the sky coaster with you, thinking I could buy some time throughout the week and they would forget this. Plus, I also knew the last day we were going to Disney World and we were going to stay for the fireworks. Have you ever been to Disney World? The fireworks don't get over to close to 11 o'clock. And I knew the sky coaster would be closed at 11 o'clock. Thinking they would forget the last day after the fireworks, we get in the car and sure enough, somebody says, Mr. Campbell, are you going to keep your promise? Are we going to stop at Old Town and get on the sky coaster? I said, sure. I thought I was safe. <laughs> well... I don't know why, but the sky coaster is open to midnight. <laughs> What's open to midnight, right? I had to face my fears head on. Now, just in case you think that I'm exaggerating about this story, one of these young adults took a picture of me just before we get on the sky coaster and I want to show it to you. <laughs> I was terrified. Matt Murray, which is in the picture, and Julie Vale came with me. We locked arms. Judy Vale says she still has bruises on her arm to this day. And they started to hoist us up. Now, there was moans and groans that came out of me that shouldn't come out of any adult male. Matt Murray, God bless him, said, Mr. Campbell, realizing how terrified I was, said, would you like me to pray for you? And I said, I, I actually wanted him to, but I couldn't get the words out because I was clenching my teeth. <laughs> now, the sick people that own this ride, they actually film you as you're falling. Just in case you want to pay money to relive this experience over and over. And one of the kids bought the video. So if you would like to see 30 seconds of me on the sky coaster, I've got the video right here. Hey, but I got to warn you, if you hear a little girl screaming in the video, that's me. <laughs> That's the last scream right there. <laughs> the Bible tells us fear not 365 times, one time for each day of the year. Do you realize statistics tell us that 85% of what we fear never happens? 
85% of what you're worrying about right now probably is never going to happen. So what is the opposite of fear that was that's told to us in all these verses? The opposite of fear is faith, I believe. Let's look at one of these verses that deals with fear found in Isaiah 41.10. And it says this, do not be afraid for I am with you. Do not be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious hand. I will strengthen you, the Bible says. If you're like me, when you're really afraid, aren't you paralyzed? Doesn't the strength get drawn right out of your body and you become physically weak? Some people even faint. God does not want us to live in fear. He wants us to live in faith and he wants to give us strength. Can I tell you one more thing about myself that I haven't shared with a lot of people? See, I deal with a bit of anxiety. I have my whole life. Maybe there's some of you here that can relate to this and you can say, Kevin, I also struggle with anxiety. Probably there's some people watching online and here in the auditorium that would say, I struggle with a lot of anxiety. My wife, finding this out about me early on in our marriage, before the internet and cell phones, actually typed out some Bible verses for me. And she said, Kevin, I want you to take these verses, and every time you feel anxious, I want you to read them and claim these promises. See, anxiety is another form of fear, another thing Satan wants to use to paralyze you and drain out your strength. And so for many years, I would pull out these Bible verses and I would read them and claim these promises. I want us to look at one this morning found in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And it says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. This is a little mini formula for dealing with fear and anxiety. It says, in every situation, with prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, fear paralyzes us, but faith empowers us. God wants us to walk in faith, not fear. Here's some questions that I want us to look at this morning. How can we live a life of fear? How can we live a life of faith and not fear? What is the secret to knowing God's will for our lives? How can we walk in faith and trust God? I'm gonna call this something for last because I believe God has some instructions for us this morning. Instructions that if you listen to and follow, they will literally change your life. I know they have mine, but you need to wait to the end of the service to hear what they are. For now, let's look at an example in the Bible, how hard it is to trust God with our future. I want to look to an example found in Exodus. It's found throughout the whole book of Exodus, and we can't read it all. If you have time, the story of the Hebrew people, the Israelites, is fascinating. But let me set the stage for you. Let me lay out the storyline before we look to God's word and check in with the Hebrew people. See, God had a plan for the Hebrew people. He had a plan for a promised land. 
He had a plan to set them free from 430 years of captivity. God had a person. He had Moses. And he said to Moses, I want you to let my people go. Moses at first argued with God a little bit. And he said, God, surely there's somebody better than me. Surely there's somebody that's more talented, more capable of carrying out such an important task. I don't know if you often feel like Moses. I know I do. Don't you think, God, isn't there somebody else? But see, God wants to use our very weaknesses to show his strengths. Um, So in chapter two, God says to Moses and Aaron, he says, Moses, take your staff and throw it onto the ground. And Moses does, and it turns to a serpent. And he says, Moses, I want you to reach down and grab the serpent by a tail and hold it up. And And the serpent turned back to a staff. God said, I want you to use this miracle to show the Hebrew people and the Egyptian people that I am the one and true God. I want you to go to Pharaoh and ask him to set my people free. Moses reluctantly agreed and off he went. He said to Pharaoh, set my people free. And of course, you know the story, many of you. Pharaoh refused. And Moses said, God will send 10 plagues on the people of Egypt to show his power and glory. Those 10 plagues are found in chapter 7 to 12. God used the miracle of these 10 plagues to show the Israelites as well as the Egyptians that he, had, that he was the one true God, that he could be trusted. The first plague was turning the Nile River to blood. Then there were four more plagues. They dealt with pestilence. One was a plague of frogs. One was a plague of flies. There was a plague of locusts that ate all the crops. And then there was a plague of gnats. I had to look this up. What are gnats? Gnats are like mosquitoes and black flies. I think we have this plague in New Brunswick every summer, don't we? (laughs) But here's the cool thing. Just so the Hebrew people would know that God was with them, that he had a plan for them, a promised land, five of these plagues did not even affect them. They only were inflicted on the Egyptians. One was a plague of livestock where the Egyptian livestock was struck, but the Hebrew livestock was spared. There was hail that came and ruined the Egyptian uh, crops, but the Hebrew crops were spared. There were boils that afflicted the Egyptian. Then there was three days of darkness in the land, but in the land that the Hebrews lived in, there was sunshine. The final plague and the granddaddy of them all was called the Passover. This is the one that would work and Pharaoh would let the people go. See, the Passover, uh, Moses explained to uh, Pharaoh that the firstborn male of each household would be demanded and would die that night as the death angel passed over the land of Egypt. God gave instructions to the Hebrew people. And what he said to them is, I want you to find a lamb or a goat, a perfect lamb, and I want you to sacrifice it and cook it for a meal. But before you eat it, I want you to take the blood of that lamb and I want you to sprinkle it over the door and down the post of your doorway. See, tonight the death angel will pass over Egypt and I will demand the firstborn male of each household. But if you will follow me and follow my instructions, I will pass over the land of the Hebrews and your firstborn will be spared. 
That night, the death angel passed over, and the Bible tells us that in Egypt, there was wailing. But in the area that the Hebrews lived, not even a dog barked, because they followed God. I've got to find my place here, sorry. <laughs> um, God had done so much for them, so many miracles. This worked, and the uh, Hebrew people were set free. Pharaoh finally said, let my people, let the people go. And they left Egypt and headed towards the promised land. The, uh, they got to the Red Sea, which was portrayed in the 1956 film called The Ten Commandments. You might have saw it, starring Charlton Heston. And Charlton Heston, acting as Moses, took the staff, and he touched the waters of the Red Sea, and they parted. And the, and the Israelites were allowed to cross over to dry land. See, Pharaoh had changed his mind, and the Egyptian army was coming to capture the Hebrew people again. But as they entered the dry land, the waters engulfed them, and they died. On the other side, the Israel, Israelite people were spared. You think at this point they would be elated, don't you? Don't you think they would be like, woohoo, God is with us. God has done so much. Surely we can trust him for our future. God has guided us by a pillar of cloud in the day, the Bible tells us. And God guided them by a pillar of light at night. God has sent us Moses. He's delivered us from these plagues. We can trust him for our future. Is that how they felt? Not so much. Let's check in with them in Exodus 15, 22. It says this, so Moses brought the Israel from the Red Sea and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And there they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now when they came to Mar, they could not drink the water of Mar, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name was called Mara. And the people complained against Moses and said, what shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he cast it into the water, the waters were made sweet. See, the children of Israel started to fear for their future and complain. When I first read this, I thought, shame on these Hebrew people, because we know the rest of the story. But aren't we a lot like the Hebrew people? Don't you often fear your future? It's easy to see God's hand in our past, but it's hard to trust him with our future. Can you relate to this? Can you look back at your past and say, yes, Kevin, I can see how God has been with me in my past, how God has walked with me, even performed miracles for me. But as we turn to our future, we're fearful. Let's look at the rest of this story. In chapter 16, again, the Hebrew people were fearful. They said, we have nothing to eat. Maybe God has brought us to the desert only for us to die. Weren't we better off in Egypt where at least we had food in our pots? And God, and God uh, sent manna and quail, the Bible tells us. In chapter 17, there was water from a rock. Again, they were thirsty and fearful. And Moses struck a rock and out came water. In chapter 9, as they approached Mount Sinai, the presence of God, the Bible tells us, engulfed the top of the mountain with smoke and fire. As Moses went up the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments, did the Hebrew people sit at the base of the mountain and look up and see the glory of God and say, wow, God is with us. Surely our future is a promised land. No, that's not what they did. 
They worried about their future. And they actually thought Moses may not come back down. And they looked for something to worship. The Bible tells us they actually built an altar and they built an idol, a golden calf to worship. You might say, Kevin, that doesn't really relate to us. We don't have any idols or golden calves, do we? Don't you? Is there any idols that you may have in your life? Is there anything that you are putting before God? Things like maybe stuff, material things, money, your career. God had a plan. God had a promised land for them. It was just down the road, but all they could see was the desert in front of them. Doesn't this sound like us? I'd like to tell you another story, a more recent story, where fear gripped my whole family. See, my second daughter, Celine, married Trent McDonald from this uh, church, and they now live in Ontario. And in 2018, they had their first baby, our granddaughter. Her name is Sydney. Sydney was born on May the 25th. She was one month premature, and she only weighed five pounds and two ounces. Everything seemed fine. Mom and baby were allowed to go home. After five weeks, they decided to come to New Brunswick and introduce little Sydney to Grampy and Grammys, aunts and uncles and cousins. We were so excited. They came to our cottage in Belle Isle Bay and on July the 1st, when little Sydney was only five weeks old and weighing only about seven pounds, they arrived. We were elated and joy to meet our new little grandbaby. Everything was fine until it wasn't. See, at first, little Sydney spit up. And you say, don't baby spit up, that's no big deal. And that's what we thought. But mom's intuition told her something was wrong. And then there was diarrhea. And my oldest daughter, Sarah, is now a nurse practitioner. And out of an abundance of caution, it was decided that mom and dad would take little Sydney and they would go to the local country hospital in Sussex, New Brunswick, just about 45 minutes from here, just for a checkup. When Sydney arrived in Sussex, she was a little bit worse. See, she was dehydrated and she was rushed by ambulance to Moncton, this very city hospital. As a family, we packed up ourselves, realizing this was a little more serious, and we headed back to Moncton. When we got to the hospital, we had learned that little Sydney had a seizure. Now we were terrified. Fear paralyzed us. When I looked at my daughter and son-in-law, Slynn and Trent, I saw fear on their faces. When I looked at the doctors and the nurses, I saw fear. On my wife's face, Ian and Wendy McDonald, Trent's parents, the other grandparents, I saw fear. I even saw fear on my daughter Sarah's face, and I became fearful. God checked my spirit, and he said, Kevin, are you going to trust me no matter what happens here? Are you going to put your faith in me, or are you going to be gripped and paralyzed by fear? Little Sydney needed an IV line, and they were having a hard time finding a vein to put it in. See, her little veins were starting to collapse, and so they found a vein in her head. I didn't realize you could even put an IV line in a little baby's head, but that's what they did after several nurses tried. Because of the seizures, it was decided little Sydney needed to go to the IWK hospital in Halifax by ambulance. So we all packed up our stuff and headed to Halifax. When we arrived there, little Sydney got a little bit worse. And actually, she lost her her IV line, which happens, I guess, sometimes. 
But we knew this was a lifeline for Sydney, and this needed to be in place if she was going to survive this. Again, fear gripped us, and a nurse tried to administer a IV line without success. And then a second nurse tried, and we became very fearful. And somebody said, who is the best in the hospital at administering an IV line? See, this was a children's hospital, the finest one in our region. They give intravenous lines to baby and premature uh, babies every day. But they were having a hard time with little Sydney. Somebody said, let's get, let's call her Sally. Sally worked the medevac. And she was one of the best, and they called for her. While we were waiting, I had our desert moment. Like the children of Israel, I asked God, God, have you given us this precious little girl only to take her back from us? Only a few weeks later? Again, God said to me, Kevin, are you going to trust me no matter what happens here? We put our trust in God. Now, to make this story even more real and let you feel the rawness I feel from this, I have a picture of little Sydney at this very moment in the hospital. She now has lost weight and she's under her birth weight of five pounds and two ounces. I'd like to show it to you. It's hard to see there. God said, trust us. Did everything get better? No, they actually got a little bit worse. See, this nurse Sally, we called her, found an IV line. Thank the, the Lord above. And when she did, she said to the head nurse, has anybody taken blood work? See, they were trying to not take any more blood than they had to from little Sydney because she was so tiny. And the head nurse said, we don't need blood for an hour, but go ahead and take blood now. See, God shows up sometimes in our darkest moments in miraculous ways. The results for that blood work came back and the doctor looked at it. I don't understand all this, but her pH levels were out. And he looked and he said, this must be contaminated. It can't be right. Take another sample. So another sample was taken and the results come back similar. And the doctor told us little Sydney's blood is now toxic. She needs to be rushed to the ICU, to the needle natal care unit. Little Sydney was taken down. We were allowed to go with mom and dad. And again, fear engulfed us and we needed to pray and put our trust in God. We prayed for little Sydney as they performed this procedure. Now, a blood transfusion is a pretty serious thing. Even if you're an adult, they have to find an artery and go into it. But when you're only a few weeks old, and when, when you're only a few weeks old, and they need to go into your artery, this is life-threatening. We prayed over Sydney and put our faith in God and our trust in God. And God spared her life. Now, was we out of the woods? No. Sydney suffered with this for oh, a year. She ended up in Toronto Sick Kids Hospital. They tried everything. They tested her. Was this um, a milk allergy? Was this lactose intolerant? They never really did. But each day, Sydney grew stronger and stronger. Today, she is a healthy little girl, two years old. I wish Sydney was here for you to meet her. I wish she was here for you to meet her, but she lives in Ontario. But through the miracle of, of technology, I've got a little video of Sydney. If you'd like to see her? Yes? Now, just before you show this video, I, I gotta tell you this. The first word Sydney say in this video is, hi, Grampy. I just wanted to point that out. 
are you, Sydney? What do you want to show Grampy? Can I say bye, Grandy? Bye, Abby. <laughs> That's Sydney. Trust God, trust God, trust God. Now, you might ask, Kevin, is this a prosperity message? Is this a name it and claim it and everything will be okay message? No, it's not. This is a putting your faith and trust in God message. I know many people will have stories without happy endings. So do I. Actually, one story is about Matt Murray. See, Matt loved God and served him at a young age. Matt that was on the Sky Coaster with me. But tragically, about a year after our trip to Florida, Matt was killed in a tragic car accident. See, Matt's parents, Ken and Helen, they loved God. And they leaned heavy on God and drew from his strength. You might know Ken because Ken serves here every Sunday. He's an usher and he's right back here at this door each Sunday. I also have a story of loss, a story of my father. See, my father was diagnosed with cancer in 2012. He was given two years to live. He passed away after eight months. You'd say, Kevin, didn't that wreck your, didn't that wreck your faith to lose your dad? No, it didn't. See, it actually strengthened me because God challenged me through that ordeal. And he said, Kevin, I want you to look for me to show up each day. I want you to watch for the little things that I'm going to do so that you know I am with you even through the darkest times. You may say, Kevin, what were some of the things that, that, that God did to show up? Well, one of the main things was the love of people. The very people in this church, in this room, our church family supported us and prayed for us and loved us. See, this thing called life, it's really hard, isn't it? It's really difficult, and we need each other. This is God's plan. The church, it's his only plan. God says to Peter, on this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. The church is God's hope for the future, and we need to rely on each other. No matter what, blessing or challenges, we all need God, and he wants to be part of our future. God wants your future to be a story of faith, not fear, a story of the promised land. Now, let's look at our question, something for last. How do we live a life of faith and not fear? How do we trust God with our future? How do we find God's will for our lives? I love these questions, and I think God has something for us. If you don't remember anything else I say this morning, I hope you'll remember this, because if you will apply this, I think it will change your life. And it's this. Just do the next thing God asks you to do. Isn't that powerful? See, we want to know, we want to know the future. We want to know the plan. We want to know what God has for us. If we could have it all laid out, then we could trust God. But that's not how it works. See, God only gives us today. He says, today I need you to trust me, no matter what happens. God has a plan for your life. He has a promised land for you if you only trust him. What's the next thing God wants you to do? Some of you might need to accept Jesus Christ today. 
You might say, I want to claim my Passover experience. See, in that story, God was foreshadowing what would happen in the future. Jesus Christ would be the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. The Bible tells us without shed blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. And Jesus was the perfect Lamb. He was God's firstborn Son, and He died for you and I. If you'd like to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, I'm going to give you an opportunity here in a minute. So I'm going to ask you all to stand right now. Many of you might say, Kevin, God's speaking to me too. I hear him. See, he speaks in a still, small voice. Sometimes we have to listen and say, what's that? What is it that God is asking you to do? What's the next thing God wants you to do? Some of you might say, Kevin, I've got some habits that I need to get rid of. Things like gambling, maybe alcohol, drugs, anger, pornography. What is it that God is asking you to do today? I'd like to pray for us today, and I'd like to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus as your Savior, if that's you. But I first would like for you to raise your hand if you'd like to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Some of you watching online might like to pray this prayer that I'm going to pray. Then I want to pray for everybody in the room about our fears. So if that's you, would you raise your hand? Just say, Caitlin, today I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. People are raising their hands. This is the most important decision you can make. This is the thing that changed my life the most. So if you will bow your heads and pray after me, then I will pray for all of us and we'll be done. Bow your heads. You can say these words. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as Lord and Savior for the rest of my days. Dear God, I pray for each and everyone here. God, let us draw on your strengths. Help us to not fear our future, but to step out in faith. Guide and direct our lives, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about Moncton Wesleyan, we invite you to visit our website at mw.church. We are here to help you with any questions you might have. See you next time.